0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply. Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's another Sal Sports and Stuff review from 2019 of the Buffalo Bills season, a Bills rewind, if you will. This time, we're going to take a look at game number six, week number seven, against the Miami Dolphins. Welcome in. Thanks a lot. It's been a little while since I spoke to all of you. Last time we talked, uh, the Bills, they went to Tennessee, and they beat the Titans, and then they had a bye week. So, like I had last week, I had a bye week, just like the Bills had during the time last year that we're going over here, which was not uh, actually planned that way, just the way it happened. I had a vacation last week. That's why you haven't heard from me in a while. Thank you very much. Had some people... You know, tweet me, when's the next one coming out? And uh, I should have probably done it a little bit earlier in the week, but had some other things to catch up to. But I had a fantastic vacation. And I want to tell you about that real quickly before I actually get into talking about this game specifically. Uh, I was actually, my wife and my son and I, we were actually scheduled to go to Florida uh, where we have family down there. I actually have family, my mom and my stepdad, they live in Georgia near Atlanta, they're actually moving back to Florida. They, 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 they're from Buffalo. They'd moved to Florida when I was living there, uh, back early two thousands. And I moved back to Buffalo. They moved to Georgia to be with, with my stepbrother and uh, his family near them. I should say, and yeah, it just never really fit for them. They, they missed Florida. So six years in Georgia, they're moving back to Florida, but my uh, mother-in-law, she lives in Florida still. So we were going to go down there and I still own property down there. I have a house down there. I like playing golf down there with my buddies. We had scheduled this trip for a while. In fact, going way back, I was scheduled to go to Europe uh, in this month, in July, the end of June, early July. My wife is from Germany, and it was going to be our summer trip, our big summer trip. But obviously, that changed once everything started happening with coronavirus, uh, with the shutdown. Once we saw what was happening in Europe originally, uh, we had to make changes. And one of the changes we made was, okay, let's go to Florida then. Well, (laughs) guess what? Literally, a couple days before we were supposed to get in a car and drive down to Florida, we weren't going to fly and Georgia to see, you know, my parents. Um, That's when things started really spiking down there. And we started seeing the numbers and we're like, oh man, this isn't good. Plus my my mom and my stepdad, they're both turning 70 this year. My mother-in-law is also turning 70 this year. They're the exact same age, all of them. And my mother-in-law has breast cancer and, you know, she's, obviously in a higher risk category. They're older and she is higher risk. So, you know, we don't want to put ourselves in that position, plus with my six-year-old son. And then on top of that, Governor Cuomo came out and he said, you know, there's going to be a quarantine. If you go down there, if you are coming from Florida or some other states at the time, this was a few weeks ago, it was like six states on the original list, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So we had to make a tough decision on what to do. And we just decided ultimately the, the safest, best option for us was not to go down there. We we decided this literally like three hours before we were supposed to get in a car and drive down. We were packed and everything. Very disappointing. Uh, family wanted to see us, but, you know, di- they're disappointed. But we just couldn't do it. And and it was the right decision overall. Now, we kept thinking, boy, what if things really change in Florida and we're going to be mad that we didn't go down there because the quarantine is lifted. That hasn't changed. In fact, there's been more states obviously added to the list. But that said, we stayed home. We still had vacation. I was off for a whole week. That's so haven't heard from me on the radio last week. You didn't hear me. Uh, my wife was off. My, my son, six years old, obviously he's done with school, even though that was distance learning and all that. So we decided to take some day trips and much safer in the car, just a family together. Uh, we drove down to Pittsburgh. We went to the Pittsburgh zoo, wore masks, social distancing, all that as much as possible. We, you know, I, I believe in trying to be as safe as possible. I know there's some people probably even thinking, why would you do that? Look, we're trying to do our best to still live our lives, but be as safe as possible doing it. That's the best way I can put it. So we drove to the Pittsburgh Zoo, stayed in Pittsburgh overnight. It was an awesome time. Then on the way back, we drove to Canton, Ohio, went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That was amazing. It was pretty much, we had the place to ourselves. Uh, Wore masks through the entire uh, area there when we were around anybody, but there weren't a lot of people to even be around. So you you could walk through and take your mask off. You see people, you put it back on. I'm just trying to go over that so people understand that's how we were doing it. But- the real point I'm making here is we, we had some really cool day trips. And one of the things, one of the best parts about living in Buffalo is having the ability to drive to so many other places in such a short time. You know, Pittsburgh is four hours. Cleveland is three hours. Canton, Ohio is three and a half hours for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Toronto, when the border is open, an hour and a half, you know, assuming the border goes well. Uh, Boston, what, seven hours maybe. New York City, six and a half hours. Philadelphia, six and a half, seven hours somewhere in there. Baltimore is eight or nine. But it's really just a half day at the most type of drive. It's a workday drive. Uh, any city you want to go to, uh, in the East coast, except when you start getting really South and you get down, Cincinnati is a pretty far drive. I think it's eight to t- maybe 10 hours, something like that. But I think eight hours, you know, you can even go down there and spend a day and come back. Once you start getting lower than that further South than that it becomes a lot more of a trip. It was going to be more of a stay at night at a hotel, then get up in the next morning and drive trip when we went to Florida and down to Georgia. But it was really awesome. We did Pittsburgh, the zoo. We did Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was Max's first time ever there. It was an amazing experience just to have my son there for the first time, to see it, to teach him a little bit about some of the greats and the Bills greats. And he's heard about them. He knows Thurman personally. He's met him. Uh, He's met some Bills players over the years. But, you know, he wanted to see Thurman's bust, which was really cool. We did that and then came back here to Buffalo The next day, we drove down to Watkins Glen. I say down. It's over and down, I guess. Uh, Just an amazing hike. I'd never been there. I think when I was really little, I went to Watkins Glen. But to go there this time and to hike up the gorge, see how beautiful it was, back down the gorge. It's about a three-mile total hike. It was warm, but it was great. You're not in the beating sun because you're in the gorge. You got the water around, the waterfalls. Just an amazing experience, an amazing time. Really glad we did that. That was just a day trip. Came right back. And then uh, also went down to Holiday Valley, there, Ellicottville, played some golf down there. Uh, there's a pool, a resort. The pool's open. You pay like eight bucks to uh, basically go into the pool area for a day, half a day because they clean it. And you know, then they have another group come in and if you p- pay for either session, it is. But it was just a really great time. And I guess I'm just imploring this again to you that if you have an ability to just get in a car and drive for a day. Lots of different possibilities from Buffalo, and it, it's, it's a really cool thing to live in a city that you can have in an area that you can have that ability, and we took full advantage of that, and that's what we did in our vacation. Had a great vacation. Been home. I've been on WGR in the morning and afternoon, uh, Bulldogs off, so I've been fi- uh, not filling in but going on with Shope for a segment every day. Uh, I was on with Howard and Jeremy the other morning, and now we're just getting them back into the routine, and now it's time to you know look to training camp. And what's going to happen if there is going to be a training camp, which it looks like there is, and how that's going to work, not only from football, from that standpoint, from, from media and from that standpoint, just a lot of stuff going on that, um, you know, we need to get into. But now it's time to look back. And I think I need to start ramping up how quickly I do these look backs. I appreciate all of you who said you've really enjoyed them. Uh, thank you very much for downloading, subscribing, throwing up reviews, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, uh, however you listen, WGR550.com through that podcast. Uh, it's really just an honor to be able to have so many people say that they listen to it and you never know until people tell you that so i do appreciate that and it seems like people are enjoying these lookbacks at these games so now today like i said we're going to go back and look back at the week 7 game 6 game against the Miami Dolphins for the Bills who came into the game at 4 and 1 looking to go 5 and 1 and the Dolphins came into the game at 5 at 0 oh and 5 now remember the Dolphins they had just come off a really tough loss to the Washington Redskins 17 to 16, both teams were winless at the time. And I really knew, I I, I knew in my heart, man, if the dolphins lose that game, they're really going to be a tough out for the bills because they'd been playing better, but also, you know, they were, they, they really needed that win. They wanted to win. They wanted to win a game for the first time. They hadn't done that yet. And they came to Buffalo and they really put a scare in the bills. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I took away from this game was how much of a scare they put into the bills, thinking about back to it and thinking about how, Really, there were multiple times that I thought the Bills could actually lose this game, give the Dolphins their first win, and the Bills then, everything that they worked for to get to 4-1 and one to that point would just kind of go down the drain. But it ultimately didn't happen, and the reason it didn't happen was because uh, the Bills had the day saved by a couple of different things that happened. So, you know, let's start with the beginning of the game, and in fact, I want to go even before that. I had a friend in town, I want to tell you this story real quick about the game, I had a friend in town from Florida, big, big Dolphins fan, and he's been talking many years about coming up and going to see the dolphins in Buffalo and you know, it never worked out. Well, last year it did. It finally did. And he came up and we hung out all week and I showed him around town and it was really cool to be able to kind of, Well, he's from, he's from New York originally, not Buffalo. Uh, So he kind of knew, you know, what it was like up here, which was cool. And it was just, you know, what was the date? It was October 20th when they played. It was a little bit chillier that week, but it wasn't necessarily cold yet. We weren't, we hadn't turned the corner from fall to winter necessarily like we do in Buffalo sometimes that time of year. Um, But he had a really good time. And then I remember we went to the stadium that morning and he rode with me. I said, I got to go there really early if you want to ride with me and then you can go and, you know, tailgate. But he had his Dan Marino jersey on. And I said, look, that's what I told him. I said, if anybody gives you any trouble, just say, Hey, I'm Sal Capaccio's friend. Now they might punch you, but you know, if you can tell them you're my friend, then you know, they might accept you in. And you know what he might have, I don't know. But at the end of the day, he said people were great to him. He had a great time tailgating, meeting Bill's fans, hanging out with Bill's fans. Yes. He was wearing a Miami dolphins, Dan Marino Jersey. He said it was an amazing experience. He loved it. And even so, even, um, through all that, he, he, he got a chance to meet Harrison Phillips because uh, Harrison was, you know, walking around doing some appearances or something. I'm not sure exactly, you know, how he was doing that or where it was, but he happened to meet him and, and, Harrison Phillips said to him, Hey, you're what you're wearing a Dolphins Jersey. Cause he said, I, can I get a picture of you with you? He said, you're wearing a Dolphins Jersey. And he said, actually, I'm really good friends with Sal Capaccio. And Harrison said, Oh, Sal's good people. That's really cool. And he took a picture with my friend, my friend texted it to me. It was so cool. And I, and I thank Harrison for doing that. And uh, he was a good guy and a good sport about it as well, but that was really cool. And I remember, you know, my friend and it was, it was him and his friend who's not a Dolphins fan. He's actually a bears friend. And then my Dolphins f- friend, um, his son. So it was the three of them who came to the game and, and they just really raved about their experience in Buffalo, uh, what it was like being at the game. And I really thought, though, for a little while that he was going to go home and brag in Miami that he came up to Buffalo and the Bills you know, lost to the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Bills for their first you know, win of the season. But that didn't wind up happening. But early in the game, it certainly seemed like it. Now, if you remember, actually, the story early in the game was the second play of the game. Christian Wilkins got ejected for the Dolphins. Do you remember that one? Uh, Christian Wilkins, a defensive end from Clemson, who I thought the Bills really might be in on as far as drafting in the first round last year. Um, you know, a little bit older. It didn't wind up happening. Obviously, it was that Oliver. Uh, but um, Wilkins went later to the Dolphins. He was ejected early on for throwing a punch, I believe it was, at Cody Ford. And that was kind of like a weird moment to set the tone for the game. Here's this team that comes in. They have this rookie. They like him. He starts. He gets ejected on the second play of the game. Uh, the other thing that happened early on was Um, I didn't like the play calling for the Bills on their side of things. It seemed like it was disjointed. Things weren't really going right. Maybe it was just that they weren't executing. When that happens, you tend to blame the play calling sometimes. Um, And also, the Bills were getting their tight ends a little bit more involved, it seemed, in the passing game. In this game, it's looked like maybe they went to the bye week and they said, you know, we want to get our tight ends a little bit more involved early on. It seemed like that because Dawson Knox had a couple of different opportunities uh, to catch the ball. And even Lee Smith caught a pass early on. Now, at the end of the day, they only had a, they only had a few receptions. In fact, but Dawson Knox had five targets. Lee Smith had another target, Um, but I thought that that was, you know, something the Bills had tried to do a little bit in the game early on that they went away from a little bit later. The other thing is Ryan Fitzpatrick was completely on fire in this game. Absolutely on fire. He was hitting everything early on. He was being a classic Fitz gunslinger in this game. He wound up 23 of 35 for 282 yards. Uh, You know, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's a nice day. Uh, But really, when you watched him in the first half, you're like, man, Fitz is on fire and he was hitting guys that were catching everything. Preston Williams, Devonte Parker, Mike Gusecki, Mike Gusecki has amazing hands. Absolutely incredible hands. Going back and watching this game. I'm like, Oh my God, Mike Gusecki just catches everything. Now we had Armando Salguero on Shope and the Bulldog last week, talking about, maybe it was even earlier this week, talking about the dolphins and Shope asked him about Mike Gusecki. And he said, well, he's got great hands. He can catch, but he's not going to block. That's not the kind of tight end he's going to be. Well, that may be the case, but I got to tell you, I'm impressed with what I saw last year with this guy in his hands. Now, Miami, on the other side, uh, they were very, very creative in their play calling. And I think that's really kind of what kept the Bills a little bit off balance early on. They come into the game. They were just horrible running the football. One of the worst teams historically running the football. But yet here they were giving the ball to Mark Walton. Chews up 66 yards against the Bills on only 14 carries, averages 4.7 yards a carry. It seemed like every time they turn around, hand the ball to Walton, he was doing a little something. The other thing that happened early in this game was Ed Oliver got his first sack of the season, which was really cool. But if you remember, it wasn't against Ryan Fitzpatrick or even a quarterback. It was against Albert Wilson, the wide receiver. The uh, Dolphins threw a play where they threw it to Wilson in the right flat. He was looking for someone to throw it to, and Ed Oliver got to him. Ed Oliver sacked him, it was a 10-yard loss, and that was how Ed Oliver got his first ever NFL sack. He had been pressing up to that point to get a sack, but you know, finally happened. And he said, it didn't count though. Afterwards, he said, it's not going to count. I get it. You know, um, he wanted a real sack and he he played a lot better as the season went on, but that was the first time he actually got to a passer. Uh, the other thing is that Matt Milano did not play in this game on defense. And I talk about the running defense, you know, the bills had some problems during the season at different times, stopping the run this game, it showed up without Matt Milano on the field and Maurice Alexander had played a lot. In fact, if I go down to the um, snap count, let me get, I got to actually have it in front of me. I have the game book open in front of me. Let me go down to the snap count because Maurice Alexander played 65% of the snaps at linebacker. That was the bills, uh, you know, game plan going in. They did not have Matt Milano on the field and Maurice Alexander actually played second most amount of snaps. Uh, actually third most it was Edmonds played the whole game. Lorenzo Alexander played a lot and Maurice Alexander played a lot. And, you know, I'm not going to blame him necessarily, but it's different having a guy like that who's really kind of a tweener, a safety slash linebacker, a guy that they signed to play maybe even more of a a, a a big nickel type of role, but he morphed more into a linebacker last year during training camp. And Matt Milano being in and then not being in made a big difference in this game, it seemed like, but the Bills really missed him early on. All right, so let's get into the minutia of this game and the actual details of some things that happened and really kind of remembering back because I went back and rewatched the game and I got to tell you, um, I said it, what, the last time I spoke? I think it was the last game, not Tennessee. No, it was the game before that. It was New England when the Dawson Knox you know, drops started to kind of rear their ugly head. I mean, In fact, it was a Cincinnati game. That was the first home game, the third game of the year. Uh, that's when the first real Dawson Knox drop, ha- drop happened where you're like, ooh, come on. He had another big one in this game. And I didn't realize how big it was until I went back and watched it. Dawson Knox was targeted on a play. It was the second quarter. Miami was leading 7-6 to six at the time. The Bills had the ball 2nd and 7 at the Miami 27. Josh Allen hits Dawson Knox down the seam. Perfect strike. I mean, it's going to be a nice gain inside the 10-yard line. If Dawson Knox holds onto this ball, he has really no one around him. I mean, a couple of guys are closing quickly, but this is an easy catch he should make. If he catches it, the Bills have a 1st and in goal inside the 10-yard line but he doesn't catch it. He drops it as he tries to turn around. And instead that brings up a third and seven from the Miami 27. The next play, they go back to Knox and it's incomplete. Now that one kind of went, went off his hands a little bit, but he it was more of a tougher catch. There was somebody draped all over him. But the point is, I think the bills have a great opportunity to score a touchdown. If he catches the first one on second and seven, they're down seven, six. Remember they score a touchdown that makes it 13 or maybe even 14 to seven. if they, you know, go for two, could be 12 to seven. Sure. But they take the lead there by more than a field goal. As it stands, they had to settle for a field goal. And that was, I think, a a big point in this game, which allowed Miami to stay in the game and even go longer because they go to halftime and the score at the halftime. Let me just check to make sure I got this right because the Bills kicked the field goal there. That made the score nine to seven. I think that's exactly how it standed, uh, uh how it stood. Excuse me at the half. Uh, no, Miami came down. That's right. They scored another touchdown. Miami scores another touchdown after that. That makes it fourteen to nine. That's what happened. It was fourteen to nine at the half. Miami's winning the game. And you're like, mm, come on now. The Bills got to be better than this. What do you attribute to? Rust after the break. Uh, intensity playing a winless team. I do. I, I attribute. To bolt those things, which was surprising to me, to be quite honest, because to me, um, Sean McDermott is so good at, at keeping his team focused and on task, no matter what the situation, no matter what the opponent. And you come off a bye week, you're getting healthier. Now, they were missing Milano, obviously. You try to get healthy. You're getting healthier. You have two weeks to prepare. You should just go out there, home game the start of a three-game homestand, you should go out there and stomp on the Miami Dolphins. They didn't. Miami stayed in this game, and give Miami credit for that, but I thought the Bills did not have the intensity normally that I see from being on the sidelines and, you know, experiencing that and being a part of it. I also don't think the Bills, you know, necessarily – uh, I'm not going to say took the Dolphins lightly, but I don't know if they were as crisp as possible because maybe seeing an own five team and having key players at young positions, maybe coming off a break, coming off your bye week getting back. Maybe that was all a part of a factor, I guess, if you want to jumble it up. But like I said, it it shouldn't have been, you know, that's just not who this team normally is. They finally got their act together and it took until the second half, but boy, oh boy, what a second half it was, especially the start of the second half. And in fact, you go to the very first drive of the second half, the third quarter to start it. This is to me, this draw, this sequence, the entire third quarter here and into the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, to me may have been, looking back on how the, how the season unfolded, believe it or not, I think this, this 15 to, this probably what, this I'd say 17, 18 minute stretch here may have been the defining moment of the Bill season. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I really believe it could have been because of what played out. I want to remember and go back to what happened here to start the third quarter in this game. If you don't, the Miami Dolphins get the ball. They have an amazingly long drive against the Bills. 16 plays. They wind up eating 10 minutes off the clock to start the second half. That is a long, long drive. A 10 minute drive in the NFL is very long. A 16 play drive is very long. They get the ball. They march all the way down. They have an opportunity to score a touchdown, but I want to tell you what happened here and go through the play-by-play because remember in that Tennessee game when I said this was a wild sequence? This one against Miami, I'm not going to say it was just as wild, but I think it might have been more impactful on what happened. The Dolphins have, a, have the ball second and 10 at the Bills' 13-yard line. They gain another, um, what, nine yards. They have a third and one at the 4-yard line. And I have to be honest with you. I'm thinking to myself right now, "Oh my gosh." I mean, if the Bills don't stop them here, if they get a first down, like they they're, they're going to be losing 21 to 9 to a winless team late in the third quarter. I mean, it, it was it was really kind of nerve-wracking thinking about that and saying everything, again, everything they'd worked for, everything they'd done to get to 4-1, and one, it's going to be totally undone. Uh, the, the national narrative on them is going to be, see, the Bills were never for real. Look at this team. It's 3rd-1 at the Bills' 4-yard line. Miami is winning 14-9 to nine and about to punch another touchdown in after a huge, long drive that took a lot of time to get down there. But sure enough, the Bills stop them for no gain. Miami takes a timeout. On fourth down they're about to kick a field goal. They line up in field goal formation, but wouldn't you know, they fake the field goal and Matt Hawk, the punter, runs it up the middle and gets a first down at the Bills 2-yard line. So Miami goes from fourth and 1 to first and goal at the 2. They're still set up ready to, you know, get in the end zone and take the lead here. Remember, they're up 14 to 9. It would be 21 to 9. That was a huge play. And the very next play, wild. Jordan Phillips just timed the snap perfectly, jumps through the center. He had done that a lot during the season. He had gotten called for it a couple times. This time, he didn't get called for it. It was a really nice play. He did not go off sides, jumps through, gets to Ryan Fitzpatrick before he's able to hand anything off. Fitzpatrick fumbles the football, it goes backward. Fitzpatrick and Jordan Phillips both go to jump on it. But I think actually Jordan Phillips, if I remember right now, I got to think back. He kind of got up. He sat on it. I think he was criticized for celebrating a little bit. I don't think he knew the ball was on the ground, but either way, he had a chance to get it. He didn't get it. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually winds up on the football with Trent Murphy on top of him, by the way, that pushed them back to having a second and 12 at the Bills' 12-yard line, a second-and-goal at the Bills' 12-yard line. It was a wild sequence. You have the fake field goal for the first down to get to the two-yard line. On the next one, you have the sack and fumble that the Bills should have recovered. They don't. Miami now has a second-and-goal at the 12-yard line. And then what happens? Tredavious White basically made his arrival on the national stage. I believe this is the play that really kind of vaulted Tredavious White onto the national stage last year where – even though he had a couple interceptions already, even though he had played really well, I think this was the play that people said, wow, that guy's really good. And we started to think about and hear about and talk about more about Tredavious White being one of the best corners in the game, because that's when Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Tredavious White's side and he was picked off right at the goal line. Now, what was even more interesting about this is the entire day before that, Fitzpatrick never picked on Tredavious White, he had only picked on Levi Wallace, which was in itself a storyline because Levi Wallace started getting picked on a lot in this game. He started getting beat. The Bills then started to have a rotation from that point on, but he never picked on Tredavious White until this play. And sure enough, Tredavious White has a great, great break on the ball at the goal line dives, intercepts it. It's right in front of me. Go watch the replay of the game, NFL game pass, however you can. You'll see my bald head standing right there in front of, or at the sidelines where Tredavious White in front of me intercepts the pass. It was a great, great interception by Tredavious White. But this wasn't the entire reason why this was such a defining moment for not only this game, but for this season, because the bills get that turnover which rightfully you think about it, it should have been 21 to nine, right? It's not, it's still 14 to nine. The bills have the ball now at their own two yard line, their own two 98 yards away from a score. But what do they do? They go 98 yards and score a touchdown. It's the second time in what five weeks that the bills had a 98 yard drive for a touchdown. The Buffalo bills were the only team in the entire NFL last year to have two 98-yard or more drives for a touchdown. I say more because you could have 99, not 100. You could, however, have a total drive totaling more than 100 because of penalties. And on this one, the Bills did. Believe it or not, this drive for the Bills, 12 plays, 108 yards total because they had a 10-yard penalty back them up at one point that they had to regain. But the net yards, 98 yards for a touchdown. They didn't take the 16 plays, and they didn't take the nine minutes, 10 minutes off the clock that the Dolphins did. In this one, they hand the ball off to Patrick DeMarco at the two-yard line, just like they did on the first time against the Giants, to go 98 yards. By the way, if the Bills are at their own two-yard line, I guess they're giving the ball to Patrick DeMarco. It's the second time that they did that. They give the ball to DeMarco. He gets a little bit out of dodge. Then, in the very next play, uh, they give the ball to Frank Gore. He gains 15 yards, gets a first down. Devin Singletary goes for three yards, and the Bills start throwing the ball. Uh, John Brown gets in the act. He has a six yard catch. They run it again for five yards. And then, a, a play of the game, a play of the year for Josh Allen that we've seen a, a lot. It wasn't, it, it, it went maybe unnoticed a little bit in the stat sheet because it wasn't for huge yardage. But Josh Allen, this is the drive where he had a floater to Duke Williams across the middle where Allen was basically kind of moving a little bit right. He kind of rolled right a little bit, I think. And then he, he floated it back to the left side of him as Williams is coming right to left across the middle of the formation. A great, great floating pass. Williams makes the catch. Then he gets tackled and then he gets hurt on the play. And I don't remember if he actually went back in the game after that, but it was a tremendous play by Josh Allen. A really nice route by Duke Williams, but what a great throw by Allen. That sets the Bills up first and 10 at the Miami Dolphins' 42 yard line. They go back to Gore for another 11 yards. He goes to Cole Beasley for five yards. Devin Singletary runs the ball for four yards. The Bills now are at the 26 yard line. Frank Gore gets a 10 yard run. It's called back because of a holding penalty on Dawson Knox. The Bills are at the 28-yard line, third and seven. Cole Beasley gets eight yards, does a nice job to get the first down on the sideline. He caught it short of the sticks. He got to the sideline. He basically kind of stretched the body out and got it. And then the very next play, Josh Allen finds John Brown down the seam, 20-yard touchdown. The Bills score the touchdown, a 98-yard drive. Allen, on the two-point conversion attempt, runs it in. And the Bills now lead 17-14, a lead they would never give up again. What a sequence for the Bills, not only in this game, but I would tell you that this sequence to me represents a lot of, um, it I said, It represents some of the season, you know, how they had to kind of fight their way. They did it. They held on to it. But really, I think it was a really, really big, impactful sequence for their season and how it would play out. If they do not have this sequence go their way and the Dolphins are up 21 to nine and they lose this game because it would be so hard to get back into it because of that, you know, it's late third quarter there. I, I don't know what happens to the rest of the way. Uh, the Bills, they wind up going 5-1 and one in this win. They would have been 4-2 and two after that one. That would have been a really tough pill to swallow. I think this was a really, really interesting drive, an impactful drive for the Bills, 98 yards. By the way, Josh Allen on that drive, 6-6 six for six for 73 yards, plus a two-point conversion. Then, after that, he comes out, hits the next two passes. One was to John Brown for like 20 yards, he was basically I didn't add in the yardage on the next two. He was 8 for 8 to start the second half for about 90 something maybe even 100 yards. Um Josh Allen was really good in that second half. It was a very big part of that drive, the 98-yard drive and you know the Bills like I said took the lead that they never gave back. Uh, The Dolphins did wind up scoring again, but it wasn't until after the Bills actually scored again, and let's go back to Tredavious White here. Tredavious White not only makes that interception we talked about just a little while ago, but he also had a really, really big play again in the fourth quarter. Miami gets the ball, they punt, the Bills get the ball, they punt, then Miami gets the ball, it's Preston Williams who catches it, and Tredavious White strips him of the football Inside, deep inside Miami territory. Javius White has that interception. He has the strip. Jerry Hughes recovers it. The Bills get down to the Miami 16-yard line after Jerry Hughes runs it. Uh, The Bills wind up scoring again. This time it's Cole Beasley getting his first touchdown of the season. The Bills now have a two-touchdown lead in the game, and it's insurmountable for the Dolphins at that point because there's not enough time left. There's 6.31 left in the game. The Dolphins do come down. They do score a touchdown, but then... It's Micah Hyde on the onside kick. Who doesn't remember what Micah Hyde did on the onside kick? And I went back and watched that again a couple times. What an incredibly athletic play for Micah Hyde on that onside kick. He catches the ball in midair as he's doing a pirouette, basically. As he's doing a 180. Uh, catches it as he's turned around sideways. Goes completely around and then lands on his feet and runs for a touchdown. Some people, even on the broadcast, said maybe he should have gone down. Uh, that would have re- sealed the game. Yeah, it's true. It would have, but yeah, I could tell Micah Hyde to go down there. You know, in that situation, you're scoring the touchdown. And that touchdown put the Bills up 31-21, to which is where the game ended. Now, I will say, by not going down, it did cost the Bills another 45 yards against them on defense, statistically. So, if you look at the stats, the Dolphins, you know, they, they wound up doing a really nice job against the Bills um, overall. Uh, they came to play that day, and I don't think the Bills did so much, but the Bills did just enough to win in that game. They moved to 5-1, and but you look at the numbers. Dolphins outnumbered the Bills in so many categories, 24-17 to on first downs. They were 54% on third down. The Bills were only 30%. Uh, they had 381 yards the Bills, 305. Even if you take away those 45 yards at the end because they the Bills were giving them up, basically, after the, the Micah Hyde play and there wasn't any time left, uh, they still would have had you know 330-something yards to so the Bills, 305. Um, they, they ran the ball. Okay. In the beginning, the bills did a nice job when it was all said and done, only holding them to 3.6 yards of carry. The bills actually ran for 5.1 in the game. Overall Fitz was on in classic Fitz fashion when he can be on, but we all know he can be off as well. And you know, the dolphins are an interesting team and the bills will see them obviously again, later in the season that we'll talk about later on in another podcast. But, you know, the Dolphins are going to be an interesting team coming up with everything, all the moves they made, drafting Tua, their future. Brian Flores seemed to really get that team to play hard. So you'll see where they go. But for the time being here, for 2019 on the Bills Rewind, uh, the Dolphins lost and they went to 0-6 and the Bills wind up winning and they go to 5-1 and with two more home games left on the homestand. And the next one is the Philadelphia Eagles where it caught up to the Bills, uh, playing the way they had for a few weeks, finally caught up to the Bills. And that's the one we're going to talk about because it was their worst loss of the season. Uh, The only time they uh, lost a game by really getting blown out all year. And, we're going to talk about that, and I remember about that game, I remember the weather was drastically different than it was for the Miami Dolphins game that we just talked about here. Hey, thanks a lot for downloading, subscribing. Like I said, I'll try and get that Dolphins, uh, sorry, that Eagles podcast out here as quickly as possible because I know that, you know, time is of the essence. We got a crunch here. I want to get them all done before the Bills report back to training camp. Plus, a lot more going on at WGR550.com as far as content for you, the uh, the team, Whether, you know, all the different things going on with the the situation with the pandemic and training camp, the team itself on the field, anything that you can think of, we're going to have you covered at WGR550.com and WGR on your radio. Make sure you have it on Alexa. Just tell Alexa to play WGR550. And I appreciate you coming aboard. I appreciate you listening, downloading, subscribing, however that is. Throw up a nice review if you can as well. I'll talk to you next time we talk about the Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.